Thank you for listening to BLC's Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message, brought to you by Les Mitchell. For more podcasts, news, and other events, please visit breakthroughlife.co.za. I'm always amazed at what the Lord gives me to speak about. I never, I never know beforehand. And I would love to just take grasp a topic and speak about it, but it never works that way for me. So this is the way I do it. Somebody said, a lot of people can preach through their heads, but you have to preach through your heart. So here we go. Okay. So I was thinking about when I first got saved. I was before that a very self-centered, wealthy man who lived alone, miserable, unhappy, but couldn't do anything to change my lot. And then I found Jesus. And I found him in the most unlikely of places, in a little Presbyterian church in Ganubi outside East London. And I cannot tell you how remarkable it was. And still when I reflect today, it was the most extraordinary encounter with him. And at about the same time I got saved, a whole bunch of people roughly my age got saved as well. So we were friends with each other. And, you know, church used to start at 8 o'clock on a Sunday morning. I used to get there at 7 so I could hang out with some people. I wasn't like that before. I didn't like people. People were kind of going to take advantage of me, and people were going to try and hurt me. So I avoided people as much as I could. But suddenly I couldn't get enough of these people. We used to spend time with each other in each other's houses in and out all the time. We ate together constantly. There was a young couple who'd been walking with the Lord for a long, far longer than I had. And he said, look, come around every evening on your way home from work. We'll give you something to eat and we can talk about the Lord. The Lord. And we just sat there and took our Bibles out and he would teach me and I would grasp such amazing truths I couldn't believe that I could change like that. I couldn't believe that I could like people. It was so extraordinary and so special. My whole life was taken up with people. I used to always, when on business, when I ended up a week's work in Cape Town, I always stayed there for the weekend or Durban or Joburg and took the last flight home on a Sunday night. Suddenly, I was rushing home on a Friday afternoon on the first flight I could get because I started a group of young people as a youth group. They never had one in this church. And we got all these little farm kids turning up there and, 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 and getting saved and getting changed. And they were the most important thing in my life. I didn't like kids before that. So what happened? How did this change? And all these, these young people were were just growing, and I didn't know much about it anyway, but all I knew is Jesus is so amazing. And I just spent hours sitting at his feet, just looking at him and talking to him and listening to him and reading about him in his word, and it just changed me. And I can remember these young people, we would all go into the church building on a Friday night and put the lights off, and we'd light one candle in the middle, we'd all lie on the carpet around the candle. And then I'd just say, who wants, to, who wants to talk about anything? And somebody would start, and the Lord would meet with them, and then somebody else would sort their problem out. And it was absolutely brilliant. The sad thing is that that doesn't, didn't last. I suddenly realized that it was a bit of a nuisance when people wanted me to do things. 
It was going back to, I need my own space as well, you know. I'm not just here for everybody else. How could that happen? How could I go from there to the place I found myself? And I, I began to, I began to, I began to become defensive about myself and about my time. And you know, I've learned something over the years. The moment I think, but what about me? What about my time? What about my rights, my life? The moment that happened, I should have picked up an alarm bell ringing. How did this change come about? Let's have a look and see. I'm going to read to you from Philippians this morning. And the Apostle Paul planted the church in Philippi. And it was a church, made, a, a town made up largely of retired Roman soldiers, apparently. Anyway, he went there and started this church. And it was a remarkable church with this love that I experienced going on in all its fullness amongst them. But something started to change. And I'm going to read from Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. If you want to turn there, Paul writes to them and he says, now he's in prison, remember. He says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name. Clearly what was happening in the church at Philippi is what was happening to me. Started out a great race, running with enthusiasm, loving people, but something shifted and something changed. And Paul is writing to them to bring a correction to these people who he loves. And they loved Paul. When they heard he was in prison, they collected money and sent it to him with Epaphroditus. But what happened is, Paul, Paul is wanting to help them understand. And what he does, he doesn't beat them with a big stick and say, you're bad, you've got this all wrong. He says, look at Jesus. That's where you got to look. And he says, in your relationships with one another, have the same minds as Christ Jesus. Look out from yourself and look at Jesus. Look at what his life was about. He was God. He is God. Jesus lived a life, we read, we read the scriptures in, in, in Hebrews, of obedience. He learned obedience. Do you know what's remarkable? He made his mother and father, but he was obedient to them. He was his God. And he chose to submit to his parents. He chose to live in obedience. He chose that life. And Paul says, look at him. Look at Jesus. That's where the correction lies. He says, Jesus was in very nature God. But he didn't use his position of authority right through to the cross. He could have, but he didn't. 
Use his authority to pull rank on everybody and take away his own discomfort and his own suffering. Instead, he chose to serve his father. Jesus believed that he came to serve and he served. He's poured his life out as a ransom for many, many people. And Paul says, rather like him who made himself nothing, he took the very nature of a servant, being found in human likeness. Jesus says, I'm among you as one who serves. He demonstrated this when he washed his disciples' feet. And it's very interesting what he said to them. He said, if I, your Lord, could do this for you, and do this for one another. He was teaching them a massive lesson. But you see, the religious order that day had no space for that kind of lesson. I mean, can you imagine Jesus coming to your feet and he kneels down at your feet with a basin and he asks you to put your feet in the basin and he begins to wash your feet. And he sees a little speck of dung you picked up outside and he gives that an extra rub with his hands. Think about it. Jesus, the Son of God, cleansing his disciples' feet. And he says, at the end, you call me teacher and master, and that is right. But if I, your Lord, could do this for you, then you need to do this for one another. And, you know, it's so interesting. Um, at one time, I was really fortunate to be able to evangelize a bunch of people and start some churches in another part of the world. And we had no leaders. We just had to take the people that the Lord showed us would be the leaders of these churches and put them in the leadership position. And I'd gone back to, to, to England where I lived and I got an email from the, the, the leader of the group. And he said, we had a big discussion in the, manage, in the leadership meeting last night. How often do you want us to do the first washing ceremony? Can, can you see the problem? There was no lesson to be learned. It was simply, oh, that we got to do. Let's do that as well. What Jesus was saying, he said, no, no servant is greater than his master. I'm the master. You're my servant. You're no greater than me. And if this is what I as your master do, then you need to do likewise for one another. Jesus said, I'm among you as one who serves. If we follow Jesus, we can't have any other mindset. We are here as the servants of Jesus. Now, when we say the word serve, we think of being an usher or PA system or whatever. But I've had to learn that just as Rob chose to give somebody that remarkable gift, he was serving Jesus. The moment somebody says to me, I have a knee, I, I'm not well, can you pray for me? And I say, yes, of course, and I pray for them, I'm serving Jesus. When I meet one of you somewhere in this building, and nobody's talking to you, and I go up to you, and I say, hey, how are you doing? It's good to see you, what's happening? Let's sit down and talk to each other. We're serving Jesus when we do that. You're not just serving when you're putting out the communion stuff. Of course, that is valuable servanthood. But do you know what happens? 
When that shift comes in our mindsets and we stop thinking like Jesus and we don't think we're here to serve, but brother, I need servants. I need to be served. The strangest thing is we begin to go back to our moody selves. You know what I mean? Our attitude becomes moody. And we begin to miserably protect our lives, protect what we've got. In our marriages, in our relationship with our husbands or wives, we become moody. We use moods as a weapon to try and achieve what we want to achieve in our relationships. Guys, I've had to learn. Dot will tell you how often I slipped. But when I'm down there, there's an alarm bell ringing and it's time to stop and say, whoa, how did this happen? How did I get to this place? Because that isn't what Jesus called me to be. Like him, washing his disciples' feet. Like him, pouring out his life to death as a ransom for many. I am called to the, that. That's my call. I haven't another call. I am not higher. There is nobody, despite the fact that we make celebrities of preachers, there is nobody above that role. We are servants. It's the only role we have. Jesus talked about um, the servants who came, worked all day in the field, and then came home to the master's house. And he said, now serve my meal. They're hot, they're tired, working hard. And they have to serve his meal, wash up. And then he says at the end, you've just only done your job, you unworthy servant. Don't complain about how much you do. Don't complain about how much is expected of you. And you know, guys, when, when, I, when I find myself feeling precious about myself and my life and my time and people taking advantage of me and, and I've lost my focus. There was a time it would never have been a problem. I couldn't do enough. I couldn't give enough. I couldn't pour out my life enough. The early church is a remarkable example. In Acts 2.42, we read, these people just got saved. They got in the same place you and I did. That love that just, <laughs> I'm amazed. I'm so overwhelmed by how good Jesus is and what he has done for me. I can't, I can't get enough of Jesus. What I end up doing is I, I start living this outrageous lifestyle of caring for people. I mean, I can remember these guys in the church I was part of. They came around all the time, and I was at their house all the time. I never was at home. I was with other people all the time. I, I couldn't wait to spend time with them. We would sit, and we would, do you know what we did? We didn't listen to television. We didn't watch sport. We did nothing except talk about Jesus. We were overwhelmed with how remarkable Jesus is. And Somebody would always bring a guitar and somebody take out the guitar and we begin to worship the Lord together and sing in tongues and the, the glory of Jesus would fill the room we were sitting in. And when we were finished, we shared a meal. We always did communion at a meal. It was part of our life. It was this extravagant life. I couldn't believe that I would, could ever have been that happy. I was so happy. I was so fulfilled. I couldn't, I couldn't get enough of this. 
you know that when the early church in Acts chapter 2, 42, uh, when, they, when, they, when these guys got saved and they all came together, in verse 42 of Acts chapter 2, Luke says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. It was Rob was talking about when they built the tabernacle in the wilderness. Every day, every day, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. It was a remarkable church. And you probably experienced that at some stage of your walk. But why should we give that position up? Why should we become the moody guys like the guys in the world? i got a, roughly a theory why I do it. It might be why you do it as well. But, you know, we are meant to be the most attractive place anybody ever would come into. When people walk in here, they should say, wow. And they probably do. I want to be part of these guys. I want to, I want to share their life. I want to share the gladness. You know, I want to... I want to be the one that's standing on my own out there and the guys walk out and they don't just hang out with each other. They come and find me. And they say, hey, come and join us. We want you to be part of our conversation. And we'll talk about you. We won't just tell you about ourselves. This is what Paul was trying to bring a correction in. He's trying to say, this is what it looks like. You know, we can get so caught up with, we need to evangelize. We need to, we need to pray. We need to do all this stuff. But if the basic thing isn't working, it's coming out of a different motive. It really has to change. And just like Paul is bringing a correction to the church at Philippi, we have to change. We have to choose Jesus instead of the other things. And, you know, uh, um, I, I can't tell you, I can't tell you how sad I am that I didn't hold that position. It, it's a great tragedy. And eventually my counseling became how clever I could be and how much scripture I could tell you and how much scripture I could recite to you. You know, you know what the most dangerous scripture is for us? It's the one we can recite to anybody else because we're not hearing it ourselves anymore. We're so busy shorting everybody else out. But sometimes just sitting with somebody, holding their hand, looking into their face, putting your hand on their shoulder, and just saying, can I help you? Can I serve you in whatever way you need serving right now? How is your life? That's what we're meant to be about. That is the church. And I, this church is a lot like that. I come in here, and I'm welcomed, and I'm made to feel part of you. But we've got to get it to be extravagant, guys. And you know, when I, when I got to the place where I felt I wasn't being appreciated the way I did, needed to, I began to become critical of people, critical of the leadership. 
even critical of God. How could you expect this of me? Can you see what we've lost? Because my focus has become me and what I want and what I need and how my life needs to be fulfilled. And I've lost, I've lost the point. I've lost that love which so overwhelmed me and should so flow out of my life. But it's not all bad news because you can recover that. It comes back very easily, simply this way. When we stop using the world as the focus of our vision, when we stop using YouTube, we stop using the television, we stop using somebody else's life as being a model of, for my life, I swing around and I say, Jesus, fix my eyes on you. You are the author and the perfecter. I'm not. Nobody else is, but you are. And do you know something? It all starts flooding back in. When we suddenly find we'd rather spend time with him than anything else, than do anything else. When we find we're current in relationship. When we stop being a moody, moody person, we stop that position of saying, what about me? What about my life? How come I'm not? You know, what I've come to learn is God doesn't allow even a hint of fleshy self-focus in his presence. He gives promotion. He gives promotion. You never, ever will be able to promote yourself. So many people are frustrated that nobody's noticing what I've got to bring to the table. My great skill, my gifting, how amazing I am. But Jesus says, I can't use that. You have to be like the guy who strips off his outer garments, wraps a towel around his waist, and washes your brother's and sister's feet. That's what I can use. And that's what this kingdom's about. The kingdom's about nothing else. It's that I would lay down my life like Jesus laid down his life. Now, the early church, in, in Acts 2.42, that I read, read to you, they spent their time with each other. They were together every day in each other's homes, sharing what they had. If I had a field and I saw you had not even a house to live in, I'd sell my field, bring the money to the apostles, say, I brought this money. There's somebody without food in this family. I need to help people. My life is now radically changed. I am the antithesis of the world, the opposite of the world's mindset. I care not for me, I care for everybody else. That is what I'm called to because that is what Jesus was. Remember he said, no servant is above his teacher. If I follow him, I have to be like him. I can't have a separate variety of Christian. And when we suddenly find we can be glad, not because we've got lots of money in the bank, not because our, 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 everybody's being nice to us, but we can be glad despite the circumstances, because our hearts are filled with Jesus. Then we're in the place where we, he can use us. When we think of ourselves as nothing special, if we get overlooked, it doesn't matter. As long as I can serve somebody. If I could help you in some way, I'm serving Jesus. Jesus. 
If I can bless you in some way, I'm serving Jesus. That's what I was called to. I wasn't called to anything beyond that place. Everything must flow from that. If I don't, if I don't get myself into that place, I've missed the point completely. So Paul says, he says about the Philippian church, he says, let your attitude, let your mindset in your relationship with other people, let them be the same as Jesus. That's the model we're shooting for. Not Bill Johnson, not your favorite worship leader on YouTube, Jesus. And I'm not saying wrong for those guys. I'm just saying we've got to use Jesus as the, as the focus. We measure ourselves against Jesus, and that's where we know whether we've missed the point or we're on the target. <clears throat> let your mindset. You know, if Paul could say let your mindset, it must be possible to make the choice. Otherwise, he wouldn't say it to us. Then he talks about Jesus being in very nature. God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Your gifting, your amazing skill, your beautiful blue eyes or brown ones, whatever you got. You're going to shuffle this one off one day anyway, so it doesn't matter what it looks like. Bertie. <laughs> You and I can just relax. That's it. <laughs> okay. Rather, he made himself nothing. What, what would you consider nothing to be if you said, that person's a nothing? You know, Isaiah 53 said he had no beauty that attracted us to him. No, nothing. There was nothing in Jesus that was attractive. He didn't have a, a glorious sophisticated, superior way of walking around in glorious robes showing his amazing position and adjusting his crown. He had nothing that would even make us look at him. Do you know what? Do you know what? The least of us. <clears throat> the one who's sitting there saying, I've got nothing, I've done nothing. I can't do that, I can't preach, I can't do anything. Do you know, you, that one quality is so precious to him. Consider yourself nothing like Jesus. He says, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. He chose to be a servant. He chose the role of servanthood. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to death the most agonizing death on the cross. He chose that when Brahm described Jesus this morning with eyes shut, it was so graphic for me to see him, to see the suffering, to see the shedding of his blood. Every drop that was shed was for us. It breaks your heart for two reasons. One, that he had to suffer and he was so kind and loving. The second thing is, that he cared so much about me, that he cared so much to serve his father by dying for me and for you. 
Therefore God exalted him. Guys, there will be a reward for each one of us. It's not on this earth. This isn't our home. We're passing through here. This is our preparation period. But there's a reward waiting for each one of us. You may feel nobody notices. Nobody even sees what you've just done or how you've cared or how painful your heart is because you're sitting alone another weekend. But he notices. He understands. He is enough. And all he's saying to us is, get your eyes back on me again. Look at me. Look at my life. What was my life about? You know, we're so opinionated. We get in YouTube and we get all kinds of ideas and we read up. We can get so much knowledge and we become so caught up with what I know, what I think and how things should be. Do you know our opinions mean nothing in eternity? God didn't die for our opinions. You know the other thing I want to say? Don't get me wrong. We can't love animals more than we love God. People rather. It's for people that Jesus died. He actually doesn't mind what's happening. He's going to bring a new world here anyway. And we've got to remember that. that we are the focus of his heart. We are the ones he had in his mind when he hung and bled on the cross. And our opinions mean nothing. Our knowledge means nothing. If I have all of these things but I haven't got love... And I can't just sit down and listen to you and find out what your life's about and see how I can make your life a better place. I've got nothing. I'm like a clanging cymbal. If I surrender my body to the flames, whoa! He martyred himself. He must be amazing. No, he's not. Jesus is amazing. He will get his reward wherever he's gone. You see, we even through the, the churches of the Middle Ages, they even canonized people because they'd done something amazing. So we all get our mindset, woo, people, get our mind up, people, saint somebody. Get our minds off Jesus and we're in trouble. It's not a hard thing to do. It truly isn't. So the early church, they did all these amazing things. They cared so much for each other. Why? They didn't bellyache because they had to go to the temple courts every day. They couldn't wait to get to the temple courts. What was different then from now? We're more busy. Yes. Their focus was Jesus, the one who washed the feet of his disciples. That's why they rushed to the temple courts. That's why they served each other. That's why they cared for each other, because they were still close to Jesus, the one who showed them the model of how it should work. That's what he's showing us now. You know, I truly believe when a church grasps this truth and they give themselves to living like Jesus whom we follow, we'll change this nation. We will change so many things. He will raise up so many people amongst us who he could send out and use for the most extraordinary things. Beloved church, this is not a criticism from me. I'm talking from the word and I've broken the rules as much as anybody else. But I've learned something and I want to pass that to you. You can change the circumstances. But you can't change them through self-improvement programs. 
but we can change them through Jesus. Put your heart back on Jesus. And just as Brahm led us this morning with our eyes shut to see Jesus on the cross, bleeding, and his eyes looking at us, and he says, for you. Oh, my word. Oh, my word. We're undone, Lord. Lord, I ask you, take hold of the truths that are important in this word and build them into our hearts. Change our lives. Let us be like you, Jesus. Let our hearts beat like your heart beats. Let us think like you think. We ask you to come and do a miracle amongst us. I want to thank you for this church. I want to thank you for Breakthrough Life. I want to thank you for the people that are here. I want to thank you for the love they have towards Dot and I. I want to thank you for the generosity of this church. I want to thank you for the kindness of this church. I want to thank you for the extraordinary friendships we've made in this church. And I ask you, Lord, to take us all the way. Make us all that you have planned, all that you have purposed. Don't let any of us miss it. Let us all walk into exactly that place. Show us your glory. Let our hearts be so overwhelmed with your glory that we see nothing else but Christ Jesus and him crucified. And we never fail to wake up any morning and stop and say, oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you. I might not have a fortune in the bank, but I've got you. I might not have a husband or wife, but I've got you. Lord, that's enough. Everything else that comes is bonus. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.